0: It's propped up next to uh, my suit of armor, Sir Peyton of Manning, in my office with the sword and the shield. And uh, God has encouraged us in such ways that are incredible. And so we, we are so thankful for you. And we would like to say to Art and Louise, um, this is part of your fruit. This is part of your fruit and your reward, not only here in earth but in heaven too. And so I would like for you to give uh, Pastor Art a hand, his wife a hand. Amen? Come on, Art. i make this work. Yeah, yeah. You take that, sweetheart. Um, that is good. Brian will take it. Um, Matt's going to come. And Pastor Art, if you've never met this man, today is a good day for your life. Amen. Wow. Uh, His Bible teaching was critical to our life. Uh, I still have the book that your older brother was teaching in Sunday school when we got saved. And the first two years of our life, we went through that book. That was our doctrine. Uh, everything from uh, repentance from dead works uh, all the way to the grace of God and uh, those type of things. Uh, and so um, I want to give you a copy of that because uh, we have uh, retyped the whole thing up. We'd love it. Uh, and uh, we, we will make sure you get that today yeah. before you leave. So, uh, Pastor Art, can we pray for you? Yes, please. Father, today we love you. We thank you for faith. Lord, he had no idea all the years when he stepped into ministry what the fruit and journey of that would be. But here we all are. Obedience, God, through the years can be traced all the way back to your hand of goodness. So today, let his thoughts be yours, his words be yours, that uh, uh, your people might be blessed. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Give the Lord a hand. Amen. Amen. Well,
1: it is a privilege and an honor to be here with you and to celebrate your 25th, my goodness. And I just want to echo some things you've already heard. You're here for your 25th, not just because of one or two people being faithful, but just multitudes of you being faithful. And I just want to say thank you. We honor you, wife, and I honor you for your faithfulness in serving the, the purposes of the Lord. It's just amazing to us. And I felt like that,
0: uh, I love this man.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I felt like when we were worshiping, the Lord just said to encourage you that your 25th, and you heard this. This is just another echo. You've heard this, but your 25th isn't the finish line. It's just the refreshing line. All right. So uh, you're being refreshed just to plow on in a greater way. And I think the Lord gave me a word for you to just encourage you in this whole thing of being refreshed together. So I'd like for you just to say something with me. It's just three words, open my eyes. Can you say that? Open Open my eyes. And it comes from this scripture verse, open my eyes that I may see the wondrous things from your law. And my encouragement is don't forget this scriptural reference. And I'm going to try to encourage you to begin to exercise it because it'll keep you refreshed, and tracking with God for the next 25 years, if you can read that long and remember that long. My wife and I are 75 and I thought another 25 years its going to be desperate in my brain to remember anything. But just that, that verse. And so this verse came to mind when I was being encouraged by the Lord about a year ago. And so I started just to do a little bit of a word study on it. And it is a powerful, powerful, powerful declaration. And if you do a word study, this is how it comes out, all right? I'm going to say, open my eyes that I might see, that I might behold, that I might grasp, that I might experience, all right? Wondrous things, extraordinary utterances, thoughts, and events, through your instructions and directives. Come on. All right, you got that? But this is what it literally says. All right? Open my eyes that I might behold, grasp, and experience extraordinary thoughts, utterance, events that come through your instructions and directives. Now, I'm going to give you a challenge. Come on. If you really want to be plugged into God and serve the purposes of God, I would encourage you, out of a heartfelt desire, to get up in the morning and just declare this to the throne room. Amen. It's going to open up avenues for you that you never thought. I've been doing this for over a year, and it's been amazing. What this desire being declared into the earth is doing, And it will be a part of the pulsating of God's heart toward you from this moment on. So my encouragement is to do that, all right? You know we need to have our eyes open. Excuse me. We do need to have our eyes open to things around us. I came across this book called, excuse me, I'm going to go back. I don't want to do that yet. All right. I came across this book I heard somebody mention. It's called Acres of Diamonds. And this guy named Russell Conroy, before 1900, was traveling through Palestine in a caravan. And they had this guide who would tell them stories every night. And this guide has been plying his trade back and forth, taking people both ways through Palestine. And so one night he told him this story about a man located in India. He was a farmer. And he he was doing okay with his farm. It was hard. It was strenuous and so on and so forth. But he was sustaining himself well. But one day a Buddhist monk came and sat down with him and spent some time with him. And he started to talk, this Buddhist monk started to talk about diamonds. All right? All right? And so out of inquisitiveness, he questioned this Buddhist monk about diamonds, and he said, if you can ever come across diamonds, he says, you'll be able to do anything you want. Just kept adding on to the possibilities. He said, your children could even rule nations and so on. And that night, this farmer who was doing okay became a poverty-stricken man because he couldn't think about anything but diamonds. So the next day what he did, he sold the farm, put his family in the trust of a friend, and started out looking for diamonds. He went west through Palestine, up in through Europe, and came to the end of himself at Gibraltar in Spain, the end of Europe, so to speak. He was poverty stricken, out of money, ragged in clothes, and he ended up in a hopeless state and took his own life. The person he sold the farm to was farming and doing things, went out one time to a certain area of the farm that he hadn't been working on before, and just started to stir the soil and found this black rock with kind of a, a glitter in it. This one little spot. So he thought, this is pretty. And of course he couldn't buy his wife presents, so he took it in the house, put it in a place where everybody could see it. Believe it or not, that same Buddhist priest came by, he went into the house, the first thing he noticed was this glittering rock. And he said, where did you find that? He said, out in my field. <clears throat> and he said, that is a diamond are you with me this man who originally owned the farm didn't have his eyes open the second man had his eyes opened and this farm has become what's called the golconda diamond mine in india And some of these diamonds that have come out of this are being pictured for you right there. Some have ended up in the crown jewels of royalty in Europe. And they are massive, they are colorful. Billions of dollars have come off of this farm. This man had his eyes open to what was right before him. Now I'm going to show you one more, but whatever you ladies do, don't think Christmas present. (laughs) All right? That one there. It's above everybody's pay grade in this room yet. (laughs) Yet. Yet. (laughs) Think of what would have happened if this man would have had his eyes open to what was right in front of him? Amen? I'll bring one closer to home. This young couple bought, were able to purchase a farm in Pennsylvania. They, he's a dairyman and they bought this farm. He was so excited. They moved on the farm. They took their cattle on the farm. And after the fact, like it happens so many times when we purchased things, something wasn't right <clears throat> His cattle wouldn't drink out of the stream. And it was frustrating because it had a scum on it and the cattle wouldn't drink. So he had to pour it in water. How many of you know that's a lot of drinking for cattle to pour it in the water? He finally got so frustrated, he sold the farm for $833, moved off. The new owners come in and he didn't tell them about it. But when they moved in and brought their cattle in, the guy said, what's this scum on the water that my cattle won't drink? So he went up to the source of it and found out this black stuff was oozing out of the rock. It's called Titusville, Pennsylvania. That's where oil was discovered in the United States. Over $100 million worth of oil has been pumped off of that farm. The previous odors didn't have his eyes open. The second one sure did because he said, I'm going to discover what this is. I want my eyes open to what this is. Could I encourage you along with myself that we need our eyes opened not to what's hard around us, not to the stinkies around us because there's a lot of both as we walk through life, but our eyes open to what God sees and what God wants us to do. So if every morning you'll wake up and you'll say, God, open my eyes that I might behold and grasp and experience the extraordinary thoughts and utterances and events that you have for me, guess what's going to happen? Look past the stinky, look past the hard, look past the impossible. And see the diamonds that God sees. Amen. Now, if you don't mind, I'll take you quickly. I I, I mean we'll try to go very quickly, but I'd like to just share with you four events in the Bible where God said, Open your eyes if you wouldn't mind. We'll try to go very fast. I know time is wasting, so to speak, in that regard. But there's some eye-opening accounts, and I'm only going to look at four out of the many because I think each one has a pertinent place. So if you'll turn with me (coughs) to Genesis 13. Excuse me for the frog in the throat. Genesis 13, verse 6 through 13 We'll probably highlight most of it instead of reading it, but I think it's familiar with it, and Don was telling me that he was talking about Abraham, and I thought, what, what an amazing coincidence, so to speak. So, yeah, so if you have your Bibles, go to Genesis 13. For those of you that have had some church experience, some Bible reading experience, you'll be familiar with this story, but when God told Abraham to get out of his land and go to the land that he was going to take him, he took a lot along. All right, and as they were functioning in life, both of them prospered in a way where there was starting to be friction, all right, and conflict in the community that they created with each other. And there was a breakdown in it, fighting started to break out. And Abraham, in his wisdom, says, Look, Lot, it's not working, we're too. Close together, it's not supportive for both of us to do it. Our servants are fighting each other. So he took a step of faith and said, Lot, why don't you choose where you want to go, and we'll go the opposite way. So a Lot looked over here. The Jordan Valley, and I've seen it. And it is plush, lush, and wonderful in the midst of a lot less around it. So Lot says, (laughs) I'm going that way. Can you imagine Abraham, after he left, said, stupid. What I just did was plain stupid. Because all Lot, all, all Abraham was basically left with was pretty barren, desolate land. A lot of sand and a lot of dirt. I can just picture him going, kicking the dirt around. If you ever get over that way, around the Jordan River, it is pretty deserty. Are you with me? But I like in the midst of that what God said to him. Verse 14. And the Lord said to Abraham, after Lot has separated from him, lift up your eyes. Open your eyes, Abraham, I want to show you something. I can picture him looking around. This isn't in the scripture, but I think there were some things left out. And he said, what do you see around you? Dirt. Dirt. That's a southern twang. I like to be like, dirt. Dirt. But it's amazing what God opened his eyes to. He said, lift up your eyes now and look from the place where you are. Northward, southward, eastward, and westward, for the land which you see I give to you and your descendants forever. Here we go. And I will make your descendants like the dust of the earth. He took what was right in front of him and says, You got to start seeing this dust as descendants. And Lot might be in the Jordan Valley, but I want you to look everywhere you look, it's going to be yours. You hear that firm foundation? Everywhere you look, if you pray that God will open your eyes, everywhere you look, he'll put into your care. There was this crisis and unpleasant surrounding and God opened his eyes to his plans for him. Don't forget that. God wants to open his eyes to his plans for you and for I and for us all. All right? I got to take you what I wanted pass passage of Scripture because in chapter 15, I mean, there was a promise of heirs, you know, your your descendants. And in chapter 15, we pick up the story and Abraham is uh, getting pretty concerned because he's like 100 years old and she's not much younger. And so God, again, comes up to him and is cheerleading him. And, uh, you know, Abraham says, excuse me, God, I, I know you're cheerleading me, but he said, I have no kid. And you know, time's a wasting. And I know way back there, a few years ago, you gave me a promise and there is nothing to show for it. I made Eliezer my servant, my heir, because we don't have any hello, God. And you're going to have days where you're going to say, hello, God, I thought you promised. I thought you promised. Time's (laughs) a-wasting. Don't don't ever tell God time's a-wasting. He knows what's going on. Are you with me? So he He takes him in verse 5. He brought him outside and said, now look now toward, open your eyes and look up. I like that. God's going to give you an encouragement to look out. He's going to give you encouragement to look up. He said, what do you see, stars? No, he says, I want you to see something beyond that. And count the stars if you are able to number them. And he said to them, so shall your what? Descendants Descendants be. What a promise. Could I encourage you that God has a commission for your life, a joint mission for you and for me? He said, I want you to look every which way you can and I want you to go out realizing that you're going to have some stars come into your life. Some fruit, people, descendants. Can you grab it? A commission literally is a joint mission. After you say, God, open up my eyes, the next thing you want to say, what are we going to do today? What? Yeah. A joint mission is going on mission with God. Amen? Now it's amazing when God called Peter, he said, follow me and I will what? Make you a fishers of men. That was a commission. When he saved Paul, he said, Paul, I'm going to make you a messenger to the Gentiles to bring salvation to the end of the earth. We do get a commission, and it can be somewhat clarified, maybe not so much, but you can start out by saying, open my eyes. I want to see what you see in front of me that I don't see, and then I want you to make that person the star in my life. I'm going after it. Amen? I'll never forget in my earlier years when we were moving in the spirit, I had the opportunity to go to Canada once a year out in Saskatchewan, and we met some some spiritual fathers that were filled with the Spirit that had paid the price to get there when it was super unpopular. And I'll never forget this one brother. He was probably in his 70s, which probably don't sound as old now since that's where I am. But he would, every time I would meet him, he would look me in the eyes and he says, Brother Art, God has a place and a people, and a purpose for every one of us. I thought, well, that's a nice thought. But the next time I'd go back, he said, Art, God's got a place and a people and a purpose for everyone. And he was trying to hammer home God through him, hammer home that we have a commission, you have a commission, you have a commission. Amen? Good. I love this scripture. I'll read it off here. Aye, aye, aye. All right. This Colossians 9, write it down, Colossians 9, 1, 9 through 12. I'll just read it to you. I just love it in the message. So ever since we first heard about you, we have kept on praying and asking God to help you understand. So he found that they had come to faith in Christ. To help you understand what he wants you to do. We heard you got saved. Now we're praying that we want you to understand what he called you to do. Isn't that passionate and powerful? Asking him to make you wise about spiritual things and asking that the way you live will always please the Lord and honor him so that you will always be doing good, kind things for others while all the time you are learning to know God better and better. We are praying too that you will be filled with his mighty, glorious strength so that you can keep going no matter what happens. There's the fruit of those of you that went on no matter what happens. Because not every day is a cheerleading day. Amen. Always full of joy of the Lord. And always thankful to the Father who made us fit to share all the wonderful things that belong to those who live in the kingdom of life. That's a powerful verse of encouragement. Amen? So just say the word commission with me. Commission. Every one of us have a commission. God has a plan for your life. The second one: Hagar, Genesis chapter 21. We don't have to go too far. Most of you kind of know the story about Hagar, too, don't you? (laughs) Abraham and his wife. Sarah, yeah, no kids she encouraged him to do a dumb thing said I can't have kids so take our handmaiden and have one by her Yeah, that was not a good idea we find out that Hagar really did start to mess things up after she got pregnant uh, if you want to just turn with me just real quickly it's in Genesis um chapter 21, 8 through 21. But I'd like for you to go back to Genesis chapter 16. Just keep your finger there. And uh, verse 4 and 5. After after Hagar got pregnant uh, it says this. So he went into Hagar and she conceived and when he, she saw that she had conceived her mistress became despised in her eyes. Can you imagine Hagar walking around doing this and Looking at Sarah and saying, You pathetic creature. You shriveled up old prune. Not a smart way to do it when you're a servant instead of something else. Then right. Sarah said to Abraham, My wrong be upon you. I have I gave my maid into your embrace, and when she saw that she had conceived, I became despised in her eyes. So Hagar started to despise Sarah. Now go to chapter 21, verse 8. So the child grew. That's when they did finally have their child, Isaac. So the child grew and was weaned, and Abraham made a great feast on that same day that Isaac was weaned. And Sarah saw the son of Hagar, the Egyptian, whom she bore to Abraham, scoffing. So now this is 12 years Later, Ishmael is 12 years old, and they're just weaning little Isaac, the child of promise. And this word scoffing, if you want to do a research on it, it's the same word used when the children of Israel were doing their thing in front of the golden calf. It had sexual connotations to it. How many of you know this is a really bad home situation? So Abraham ultimately sent her out with a loaf of bread and a jug of water. Out the door you go. You catch it? Run out of water, run out of food in the middle of the desert. She takes her son and puts him under a bush, the only shade there might be. She said that she went a a bow arrow shot away so she couldn't hear him suffering and dying. So this was a real mess. Her actions brought family disaster to the situation. All right? But what God was going to begin to do is open her eyes to his provision. Notice what it says. In verse 16, So she separated herself from her son, and it says, and God heard the voice of the lad. Isn't that amazing? Then the angel of the Lord called the Hagar out of heaven and said to her, what ails you, Hagar? Fear not, for God has heard the voice of the lad where he is. But I encourage you, God's hearing the cries of humanity. The out there. Young people, too. And God heard the voice of the lad. Then the angel of God called the Hagar out of heaven and said, what ails you, Hagar? Fear not, for God has heard the voice of the lad where he is. Arise, lift up the lad, and hold him with your hand, for I will make him a great nation. Then God, what? Opened her eyes. And she saw a, what? A well of water. And she went and filled the skin with water and gave the lad a drink. So God was with the lad and he grew and dwelt in the wilderness and became an archer. He dwelled in the wilderness. Not only did God bring provision for him, but gave him a place they still dwell in that area of the world, don't they? The descendants. So God opens up His provision to her in a very, very real way. So open my eyes to Your care for me and for others. I think it's just so important. I have a favorite scripture where Paul's or Peter writes, and he said, "Cast." everything that gives you distress upon God, for he has made you his personal concern. Isn't that a wonderful promise? I like this one too. You can be sure that God will take care of everything you need. His generosity exceeding even your own. Isn't that encouraging? Sometimes it's a little bit hard to give. I'm glad God doesn't have that problem. His generosity exceeding even yours in the glory that pours from Jesus. This one here really challenges me a lot of times. Give to everyone who asks you for something. Can't take it out of the Bible. You could, but then you've got a little gap there. But here's the encouragement that Jesus gives us. Give to everyone who asks you for something. Don't turn anyone away who wants to borrow something from you. God wants humanity to know that he really does care. Amen? All right, let's go on to the next. Oh, yeah, I get those scriptures. All right, let's go to the next one in 2 Kings, Elijah. 2 Kings chapter 6, all right, somewhat similar to what the world is struggling with today. It was a time of profound, pitical, social, and moral turmoil, fearful realities. I love that prophetic word that came of encouragement about not fearing this morning. The king of Syria was invading this area of God's people's world. The children of Israel, Israel kept invading, making plans and the God in his desire to protect his people kept telling Elijah, they're over here. So when the enemy would come in, God would say they're over here and would fail their plan to have a surprise attack. So this was going on and on until the king of Syria said... Who in my who in my cabinet is spying for them? And somebody stood up and said, Nobody's spying. That Elijah guy gets it from God himself. And he said, Well, where is he at? He's in Dalton. That, that's not only Florida. It was over there, too. Or it was Alabama, wasn't it? Yeah. Dalton, Alabama. Yeah. You. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, good. But the frustration of it also, so the king sent pretty vast army overnight, surrounded the city of Dothan. Elijah's servant wakes up the next morning, looks out the window, and verse 15, he said, alas, my master, what are we going to do? Because the city was surrounded, the army looked great. The Syrians were a feared group of people. It did look hopeless. But I love what Elijah said to him. He says, so he said to him, do not fear for those who are with us are more than those who are, what? With them. And Elijah prayed and said, Lord, I pray often, I, I pray, open his eyes that he might see. Then the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw and behold, the mountains was full. Say the word full. Now that just communicates a vast greater reality than the enemy would ever have. So I don't know what the enemy of, in, that we face has, but God has more. Right. Yeah, just look at somebody and say God has more. It's Just you think of God has more. Amen? Amen? And full of horses and chariots of fire, which literally communicates a declaration, all right, of a vast superior ability, a vast superior potency, than what you can see with your human eyes. So he was given that encouragement, all right? Eyes were open to his power. What I'd like to do is encourage you that we would ask God to open up our eyes to his confidence. One of my favorite scriptures that I carry with me when it looks like no matter what we do, we're not penetrating what we want to see penetrated for the cause of Christ. As I go back to this verse, because in Numbers, the children of Israel were totally blowing it, but God made this declaration to Moses. He said, Moses, as surely as I live, the whole earth will be filled with my glory. Come on. Isn't that a good one to keep with you? When you do what God is asking you to do and it seems like it's a hit or brick wall or you get smacked back really hard, just quote that scripture. God, you said you're going to do it. Yeah, Amen. I love these scriptures. That if you want to take them with you, Psalms twenty-seven, three, five through six. He says, "Though an army may encamp against me, my heart shall not what fear. Though war may rise against me, in this I will be biting my fingernails. No, confident." For in the time of trouble, he will hide me in his pavilion. In the secret place of his tabernacle, he will hide me. He will set me up high upon a rock, and now my head will be lifted above the enemies all around me, which is literally a declaration of ultimate victory. I like this other scripture. Oh, God, my rock, I cry. Why have you forsaken me? Why must I suffer these attacks from my enemies? Their taunts pierce me like a fatal blow. Again and again they scoff. Where is this God of yours, they say. But oh my soul, don't be discouraged. Don't be upset. Expect God to act. For I know that I shall again have plenty of reason to praise him for all that he will do. He is my help. He is my God. Isn't that a powerful confidence? Confidence in this situation. <clears throat> Excuse me. And let's go to the last one together. All right. So God has a commission for you. Amen. God expresses care for you. God wants to share his confidence with you as you function on. And the last one is that God literally wants to share his compassion with you. If you'll turn with me to um, Luke 24, and we'll, we'll end with this one. I'm sure this is familiar with many of you, too. But uh, after Jesus died on the cross and was buried, we know he raised Three days later, but there was these two guys walking on the road to Emmaus that didn't know he was resurrected. Can you imagine pouring your whole life into a quote-unquote an expression or a ministry and it just is dead. It appears to be dead. It's done. It's over. <clears throat> so they're reminiscing and bemoaning and probably stroking each other's discouragement as they were walking and then this third party comes along which is the resurrected Jesus and, he, and it was amazing notice verse 16 of chapter 24 He said but their eyes were restained so they did not know him these followers of Jesus who gave their life to help get him established on his throne and he ends up being crucified and buried and they're walking along but they didn't recognize him their eyes didn't see And I encourage you, there's many times even in our serving Jesus and walking with him that that our eyes won't let us see what we need to see. Yeah, so be careful. Be careful, you just don't let your eyes let you see what he wants you to see instead of what he wants you to see. And in verse 21, it says, as they were talking, they started to pour out their heart and they said in verse 21, but we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Uh, They they were literally just expressing a hopeless state. He walked with them for a while, and then it says he's going to act like he was going to go on. He said, why don't you come in and sit with us and sup with us? And while they were at the table, verse 31, then their eyes were what? Opened, and they knew him. And he vanished from their sight. And here, I want you to catch this. And they said to one another, did not our what? Hearts burneth. Say passion. 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 Into their confusion and crushing us, their eyes were opened to his passion. You know what I'm praying more and more for? It may sound stupid. I said, Lord, I want heart explosions when I come in contact with you. It's an amazing thing. When he walks in the room, they had one of those heart explosions. Passion was reignited. Please, church. Amen? Yeah. And so God wants to open our eyes to his passion. Just pray that he would open your eyes to his compassion. That literally means with passion. You share in the passion that Christ has, that the Father has. Can I just share a couple of scriptures and we'll go from there? All right? I like this. <clears throat> Jesus was moved with compassion. Notice what it says. But the multitude saw them departing, and many knew him and ran there on foot from all of the cities. They arrived before him and came together to him. And Jesus, when he came out, what? Saw the multitudes and was moved with what? Now that's with passion. Compassion is with God. Compassion. Passion for that multitude was there. And Jesus picked it up with passion. He was moved with God's passion. And what does it say he did? For them, because they were like sheep not having a shepherd. So he began to, it says, teach them and minister to them. And he got his disciples involved later on. (laughs) He did it all day. And it was evening and there was no food. And the disciple says, You better send them home. And he says, No, 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 no. You're going to come and have compassion with me. (laughs) Amen? All right, good. I like that. And we're exhorted to do likewise. This scripture challenges me. Summing up. Be agreeable. Be sympathetic. Be loving. Be compassionate. Be humble. That goes for everybody but me. Oh, it goes for all of us. No exceptions. There isn't one of us in this auditorium that is the sidestep being compassionate. Amen? No retaliation, no sharp-tongued sarcasm. Instead, bless. That's your job, to bless. You're to be a blessing and also to get a blessing. Whoever wants to embrace life and see the day filled with up with good, here's what you do. Say nothing evil or hurtful. Snub evil and cultivate good. Run after peace with all your worth. God, I like this. God looks on all this with approval. This is in your Bible too, by the way. Listening and responding well to what he's asked. If you get into the compassion posture, he said, I'm listening... And boy, you watch how I'm going to respond. So God has plans for everybody's life. Amen? He does. God has provisions for everybody's life. God wants us to be a caring people. And he wants us to be passionate. Open my eyes that I might see your commission for my life. Open my eyes that I might see your care for my life. Open my eyes that I might see your confidence for my life. Open my eyes that I might see your compassion for my life. Just four areas that will revolutionize. And when I was tidying this up to share it, the Lord laid something on my heart that I think I'm just supposed to speak over you. And it's found out of Isaiah chapter 54. It was amazing. I was just sharing it with Doug last night. And he said, do you remember in the Methodist church basement you prophesied that over us back then? And I said, I don't remember at all. But maybe God is just re-encouraging you in a greater measure, in a greater group. I felt like he said to declare to you, enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch out your tent curtains wide and don't hold back. That's your purpose. That's your purpose. And it's cheerleading you from the throne room. What a blessing. Let me have to move my membership here. (laughs) Don't hold back. Your purpose is to stretch out and touch. Lengthen your cords, that means you need to have a vision to to enlarge what God wants you to do. Then it talks about um, lengthening your cords, that's literally touching people that you haven't touched yet while you strengthen those you have, while you strengthen your stakes. Don't drop who you got, but add to who you don't have. There's more people out there for us. For you will spread out to the right and the, your place. God has a purpose, God has a people, and God has a place and I love this because this is the promise and your descendants will inherit the you're in a few but there's more come on church and you'll make desolate ruined cities you'll make the desolate ruined cities what? Inhabitable you just started at Kalamazoo but there's other cities Could I just speak that one more time over you? Enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch your tent curtains wide and don't hold back. Lengthen your cords, strengthen your stakes. For you will spread out to the right and to the left. And your descendants will inherit the nations and make ruined cities inhabitable. God bless.
0: Thank you. you. Hallelujah. Oh, stand with me. Here's something very powerful, especially for all of you who were here in the beginning. I hope that two hours or a little over that has been something that you have embraced for a moment. What you don't know is shortly after uh, Pastor Jay um, turned uh, the church over to uh, Lisa and I as far as leading the team as the team leads the church. Um, there was a conversation among the leadership what do we do with the 10 acres? Was just, it was just woods here, a part field, and should we sell it? What, what, I mean, this thing is here, what's, what, we've owned it for 10 years, and what do we do with it? It's just been sitting there, should we sell it? Should we sell it? Should we sell it? And Bren Franklin came from the UK. If you know him, you know a great prophetic ministry. And of all the churches that Bryn Franklin could have spent an afternoon with, he spent an afternoon with us at Rod and Betty Detweiler's house in Sturgis. And he said to the leadership team, you remember this? He said, give me something to declare. What have you asked of the Lord? Just say it and God will speak. And so we said, do we sell this piece of property? And he said, take me to it. We had a driver from Sturgis over here. And there were just woods out there. You get a little path to get in. And he got out of the car. I'll never forget this. And he said, you stay here. And he walked by himself. And we stood there. He came into the property. And he was gone for a little bit. And he came back. And he looked at us and he said, God has said, do not sell it. Not one grain of sand. God has declared that this is a watering hole and that people will come from all nations to drink from this well. Art had shared this word, enlarge your place. Brent had declared, what I love about this team is there wasn't a second thought. I was the new guy on the block, and I was like, so what are we doing? <laughs> and they were like, not one grain of sand. <laughs> and God has honored it. And to you who were here when I was not, I am here because you were. My family is here because you were. My children are here because you were. This day has happened because you were. And although many of you, I might not know very personally, but I do know you. You are heroes to us. And we bless you for your faith. And we want to be good stewards of what your obedience was. And we never want to overlook the fact that 47 people obeyed God. And there were many who said it won't last six months. And Art Goods, famous. And that's okay. I'm not critical of them. God had just not spoken to them like He spoke to you. And I want to encourage this church, this word, enlarge your tent. It's not the only time it's been shared here. It's been shared by Greg Miller. It's been shared by Art Good. It's been shared by Brent. It's been shared by some major David Campbell. Who else? Chris from Elam. Uh, Chris Ball from Elam. Uh, Over and over. Men who don't know each other have come and shared this word over us. I promise you as long as God allows me to, to stand here, we will be faithful to your vision. We will be faithful to what God placed in your heart. God did not place it in my heart. But I can steward, amen, what God joins me to. And I can own that in a sense God knew. And for all of you who have come in between that time and this. Hello, somebody. I say, hello, somebody. Here we are. Will you pray with me? Father, today, we honor you. We receive this word and we say, God, open our eyes. You move us from faith to faith to faith. You grow us to believe you for more today than we did yesterday. And so, Lord, we receive this word once again, fresh and new. Open our eyes, God, to more of you. Open our eyes, God, and renew a zeal in our hearts and our lives. God, as we celebrate 25 years, we remember it's not the years we celebrate. It's the fact that obedience happened. And with that obedience, God, we honor you today. We look forward to hear, feel, and see the fruit of the next 25. And Lord whoever is here to celebrate 50. Let the story be told. Of the first 47. Let it never be forgotten. And so we honor you. We honor them. And we give you praise and glory and honor for it. In Jesus precious name. And everyone said. Come on give the Lord a hand of praise. Okay. Okay. Thank you for the extra 18 minutes. Um, There are cupcakes and balloons. Would you join with us today? Take one and celebrate. Turn around and tell someone God is faithful. God bless you.